Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Welcome once again to Inside Groove. I've lost all track. I think this may be episode 22 that we're doing now. Uh, but uh, at any rate, we're happy to be back with you once again. And this is going to be a very special show. We are going to focus a majority of this show on a tribute to the late Norm Macrath. And we have a couple of gentlemen who are going to be helping us with that. Jim Felito going to be joining us a little bit later on in the program. And uh, I don't think anybody outside of the Macrath family uh, probably knew Norm any better than Jim. Um, and uh, Jim's got some really, really cool stories about Norm that he's going to share with us. And also Norm's son, Craig, going to be joining us a little bit later on as well, my name is Tom Baker, and I am joined right now by Camden Proud, who was off la last week, but uh, Cam back this week, and good to have you back, Cam. I know uh, everybody's kind of scrambling up there right now with it being the start of Super Dirt Week. What is going on as we tape the show today, which is uh, Wednesday? Well, it's really good to be back. It feels like forever since we've done a show together, but yeah, really excited about Super Dirt Week, and Right now, everybody's kind of lining up for the parade that's going to take place at noon through the city. They call it the Parade of Power, and that's just kind of to let everybody know that the Super Dirt Car Series is in town, and at 3 o'clock, they're going to get the green for their first practice session. Wow. 3 o'clock this afternoon, it all gets started on the Clay Palace for Super Dirt Week, which is really exciting and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing a lot of that remotely here. I've got a weekend of NHRA and short track racing down here, but going to be doing my best to keep track through the um, online methodology to uh, to uh, watch Super Dirt Week and uh, make sure that I don't miss any more than I have to. Um, looking forward to all of that. You were at Evans Mills to close out the SBS season if you will, and uh, you obviously have heard the interview we did with Mike Bruce last week, uh, Mike picking up the win there. What were your uh, thoughts on the day at Evans Mills? Well, first and foremost, I just wanted to thank the, the Gill family for welcoming Mike and everybody from the series with open arms. And, wow, you know, the number of improvements they put into that place, just from the grounds themselves to concessions to signage it is it's truly incredible that place is, has really been turned around and mike was talking to the track this week and it sounds like we're good for at least three or four more shows up there next year so that's really exciting we had a really good car count and i'm, I'm just thrilled to see another pavement track kind of on the rise making the making the turn back around to success here in central New York. Well, yeah, I agree. I think that's fantastic. And I'm really, really excited. I, I remember spending 1998 working up there um, for uh, the Van Tassel family when they owned it and doing some announcing and, and some video interviews and things. And boy, it was a ton of fun. I love that little place and uh, happy to see that it's uh, kind of reborn 
and there's some good racing going on. Um, so the SBS hopefully there next year. And is there a chance we may see some other SBS shows besides just Evans Mills? I mean, I know we've talked about this a little bit, and I know what Mike's thoughts are on it from last week, but I'd love to see more touring shows for that division. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I know Mike is, you know, he does a really good job. He's so passionate and, and has reached out to a lot of different tracks, whether it be Lancaster or Adirondack. We had a show at Spencer. So I'm not sure exactly what the plan is, whether or not we'll go to another track remains to be seen. But at least at Evans Mills, I think, like I said, they're going to focus on a little three or four race series, maybe a couple before us. So they go one during the season Perfect. and then the fall brawl afterwards. So that's it's really good. It's a great track for, for the small blocks. And I was surprised. We've had so many races there, more than a lot of people might think. That was the 26th small block race at Evans Mills. So we've been there quite a bit. Yeah, there actually has been a lot of races there, and I, I'm, I'm surprised uh, that it's actually 26. But I mean, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the first few that were, you know, going on up there after we first put uh, the Nora series together years ago, and um, it's always been a fun track, and they've always been received well there. And you know, it would be nice to see multiple shows there next year. That's great. Uh, looking forward to the off season, and I know that. Um, Silly season happens in the super modifieds and the Oswego divisions too. And one of the, uh, I think key pieces of silly season was whether or not we might see Allison slowed back for 2020. Well, we now have the answer to that. We do. I'm, I'm so excited for Allison. They're a great family. She's a great competitor and a great ambassador for our sport. And I was talking to John Nicotra last week and he kind of put a little teaser out on Facebook, but they have a deal pretty much worked out for Allison to come back and, and run the full schedule next year. And Otto will also be back running the full schedule from, from what I've heard. I believe that's the plan. So very encouraging news. Like I said, really good family and a great, great ambassador for the sport. She, she made a lot of fans and a lot of friends up here, I think, this year. And we really enjoyed having her and looking forward to next season. That's a key piece for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing Allison back with a year of experience uh, definitely sounds like a, a, a an opportunity to run for a championship, and that's awesome. And I'm glad to see that uh, John is committed to that as uh, as is Allison, and hopefully that means we get Otto back for another year as well. Um, you know that uh, that would be a lot of fun, man. It's just been um, it's been amazing how quickly. I mean, we we kind of. We did the whole classic thing, and now we're talking about Super Dirt Week and Silly Season. It's amazing how quick things turn around. I know. It's unbelievable. And like I said, it, it feels like it's been forever since we've done a show. It feels like it has been since the classic. So Evans Mills feels like a month ago now. It's it's just crazy how much it all flies by. But we have one more super modified race left this weekend. Yes, and I want to get to that as well with you before we uh, we, we let you go, because I know you've got a parade to uh, focus on for the Super Dirt Week crowd here uh, in a little while. But uh, Thompson coming up, the you know the World Series is always one of the best short track racing weekends of the year anywhere. And, you know, interesting, of course, that uh, the Super Modifieds have always been a highlight of that, and I think even made more interesting – at this moment, by the fact that uh, Tyler Thompson actually going to be doing double duty at uh, at Thompson, and that's that's going to be amazing. It is. That's that's just huge. The opportunities, you know, just continue to pour in for him, and 
and it's I think it's just the beginning from here. It's only the start of it. So to see him get that ride with Keith Rocco, obviously a very proven team out there. For those that don't know, you know, multi-time championship oh, team yeah. and driver. That's that's really really a good opportunity for Tyler to go out and turn some more heads and and the big block too. Um, I, I think that they're making the right decision by going out to take advantage of that and, and missing Super Dirt Week because that's that's a big stage as well, and and I, I think certainly a, a really really good opportunity to take advantage of. Well, I agree, and you know the thing is, unfortunately, you can't do everything. It's it's what Tony Stewart goes through. I know uh, from having talked to several folks that there are a ton of races in other classes that Tony would like to be running right now. But you know, when you commit to running a schedule of sprint car races and that schedule basically goes on um, the majority of the season and you're traveling all over the place, it's just hard to fit other things in and try to focus on them. And I think, um, you know, Tyler, this is one of those moments where you, you realize that you've got a buffet, but you can't eat everything, right? So you gotta, <laughs> you gotta decide which, which buffet items you're gonna eat this weekend. And, uh, you know, I think the opportunity to go race for Keith, um, you know, let alone obviously to go run the super at Thompson is, is just a, a great one. Max McLaughlin ran the car that Tyler's gonna run this weekend a little earlier in the uh, summer here and went out and finished second right off the bat. I mean, he was, he was battling for the win. And now, you know, you could argue that, well, Max has had a little bit more in the way of big car, you know, closed, you know, fender, whatever you want to call it, experience with the K&N series and such. And that's probably true. So I don't know if I want to say that I think Tyler will go out and run for a win, but I certainly think Tyler's going to go out and give it a great ride. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him run up front because I have that much faith in his ability to, to adapt quickly to a different style car. I think he's going to find that to be a whole lot of fun. Right. I agree. And, and it's a unique place, a fun racetrack. And although it is, you know, for the most part, completely different from anything else he's driven, I, I think that he'll adapt quickly, just like he has with any of the other cars he's gotten in. And same thing goes for the Chili Bowl ride that they just announced a couple of weeks ago. That's that's another really big deal and, and something that, well, I mean, that kind of puts Oswego Speedway on the map as well. So I think I think that's fantastic. Well, it does. And, you know, the, I think, see, I think the Chili Bowl deal, I believe he'll go out and he'll get 100% out of that car almost right from the get-go. The Chili Bowl is, Chili Bowl isn't so much that it's terribly hard to drive those cars. The Chili Bowl is just a factor of, of numbers. I mean, it's just hard when you have 300-plus entries to, to whittle it down to 24. It's hard to be in the top 24. And, you know, I think Tyler will have no problem adapting. Um, you know, and again, I think that's just going to be a blast for him. He's really, I mean, for 17 years old to be getting the opportunities he's getting, it's pretty special to see that. And, you know, hopefully he stays humble and because I think he does have a future ahead of him. If he, if he catches the right, the right attention and, you know, all it takes is one person and he's starting to get people now that are connecting him and offering him opportunities and situations. And, you know, this is kind of a, um, I can tell you from the NASCAR perspective that I think we're starting to slowly see it cycle back around again. Obviously, it's never going to be like it used to be where you can just go, you know, buy a 
car out of a junkyard or something and make it into a, a what you would call a stock car, take it to right. Daytona and race it. That's never going to happen. It's going to be about money, but we're seeing more and more drivers who you know are getting somebody's attention and getting opportunities that that just make the most of them. It's a little bit of a longer road, but when you start looking at the hottest drivers in Cup right now, you know drivers like De Benedetto and Chastain and um, you know Daniel Hemrick, though he was just released from RCR. Daniel is another example of a driver from down here who had he literally his family was poor, and you know he got an opportunity to to run a Bandolero, made the most of that. That turned into a Legends car, and then made the most of that, and it turned into a late model. He wins the Legends million, gets a modified opportunity, and, you know, he's kind of just built his way. And Daniel is considered to be um, a real talent, and I think he'll end up with the right. So you got, you know, three or four guys right now that are uh, really big names in NASCAR that did not um, have big money. So somebody like Tyler, the dream is certainly not impossible. It's just a matter of... Um, connecting yourself to the right people in the right places. And, you know, he could get an opportunity and, and uh, certainly going out and making the most of, of the ones that he gets is, is um, you know, is a great way to, to, to keep eyes open and, and keep attention on you. So it should be a fun weekend for him doing the double duty. And hopefully uh, he has good luck and finishes both races. And, you know, if he's, if, if he can get the most out of the cars and, and nothing happens to the cars, He's going to be in 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 the you know in the conversation for the win. I would bet in, bo- in both races. Oh yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. And and you make a great point. Like you said, I think it's just kind of climbing the ladder, climbing the ladder, and yep. and making the most of everything you get. And and he has so far. I guess all I can say is the fellow race car drivers. I you mentioned the buffet menu. I just wish I could eat from the same menu <laughs> so as Tyler, but he's he's earned every bit of it. He deserves it. And. You know, I'm I'm thrilled for those guys. They truly work hard for everything they've gotten to do and accomplish. So that's that's exciting, and I'm excited for all of our Oswego fans that get to follow him everywhere he goes. He's raced in two 200 lap events since the Classic, qualified for both. So um, he's he's definitely going places. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Well, and uh, it's just fun to to watch him get all this because he has a great time with it. And and you know, like I said, he's a good good kid and that's what you know you you want to see the character uh more so than anything and he's you know he's very humble and and does a great job so hopefully he'll do well but yeah that had to be a bit of a difficult choice um because super dirt week obviously is a very big deal and you know tyler's equally adept on the dirt as he is on the pavement i believe and but again you know the super dirt week deal more cars than there are qualifying spots so you really have to work for it and you know that's the joy to me in the sport you know you get some of these big races um we've had two uh we we had two really big money late model races down here in the south this year now one of them was martinsville and (laughs) josh berry just made the most of that he led all the laps picked up a bunch of lap money and walked off with like 45 gram but um, oh wow! Yeah, that was just. Um, I mean, I've never seen anybody do what he did uh, in that Martinsville 300 lapper over the weekend. But then, you know, previous to that, earlier in the year, the Cars Tour had a, a thirty thousand dollar to win show, and thirty cars showed up. I mean, they had basically enough to start the race, and it was just like, okay, you know. So I love the uh, the bigger shows up north where you know you really have to work to qualify because you know that the guys that started that event earned it. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and I think Super Dirt Week at Oswego has taken on a whole new 
uh, level because it is basically a short track and you can have a weekly Saturday night short track kind of car and go there and just do your homework and do the right things and do really well. And I think it's given um, Super Dirt Week a new life and a new bit of um, prestige. And, you know, to you have to really fight to make that show now and doesn't really so much matter about big money because on the shorter track, it's really more about driving. And, you know, I love that. And I think that's how it should be. And I think uh, it seems like everybody's had a blast uh, with Super Dirt Week. And I should uh, mention, if you're going to Super Dirt Week in Swicko, please go eat at Skip's Fish Fry. Um, it, Skip is, uh, you know, Skip's is, uh, is, is the place to eat in town. And uh, go see Sean and his staff at Skip's Fish Fry. In fact, they're serving breakfast every day at their um, location. Uh, at the track so uh, go get you some I don't think they're serving fish for breakfast I think they're actually serving breakfast food but either way go get some food Um, there's my shameless plug for Sean and and Skips uh, and certainly um, happy to see them be able to be a part of that event as well Um, okay what other notes do we have here uh, before we send you off to do parade things and we move on and uh, talk about Norm Macrath. What other notes uh, of the present or future would you like to share with us, young sir? <laughs> well, I guess we can just talk Ismo a little bit. This weekend, it's actually looking like a really, really good field. Probably one of the better fields we've had for an Ismo race good. all season. So I'm I'm excited about that. They've had a hard time with this race the past few years, and uh, we we look like we're going to get a lot of support for it. So that's that's very encouraging and. Michael Barnes is going to be back in a, in a Vic Miller entry. That's definitely worth oh mentioning. And, and Chris Purley, too. He hasn't ran Thompson in, in a couple of years. So Vic's actually bringing two cars, which is fantastic. And with, same same with Howie Lane, Timmy J, and Jeff Battle. With Purley and the Hustler in the two cars. See, I would just want to be a fly on the wall in that pit area, let alone watching them on the racetrack. I mean, that that would be a great place to be over the weekend is uh, is in the Vic Miller pit area with those two personalities. But, uh, yeah, also glad to see um, you, you said Jeff Battle is, is coming back? Yep, yep. Good. In the lane car again, yeah. Yeah. See, that's, you know, I love that too. We need the younger uh, blood in the super modifieds and, um, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, Ryan Locke eventually will run some more and, um, you know, you've got Jeff running more and more now. I mean, I'd like to see some of these young drivers, uh, come in and make a difference because we need that new blood in the, in the division. And, you know, obviously with what Tyler's doing, he's kind of set the bar pretty high, but, um, you know, I think that uh, some of these kids have some real talent, and I'm happy if Isma can go out in a blaze of glory for this year because it has certainly been a, a year of, of struggles for that uh, touring series and, uh, you know, love to see a big turnout. Who else from Oswego is going? Anybody? Danny Connors is going out. He's making the trip. Okay. And Joey Payne, I, I don't know if that's really in a swiggle car because he was only here for the classic, but they are going to strap the Wayne on, and it's been a couple of years since we've seen him run Isma. That car is just gorgeous. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. That car was just, I mean, you, you just, I could just sit and stare at that car all day, the color, the orange, and the and the way that, that they de- they detailed it. Um, that is one of the most beautiful Supers I've seen in a long time, and uh, Joey can certainly get it around. So that's cool that uh, the the Penix group is going 
and uh, running that race. Um, okay, so we've got a couple of Oswego cars. It's kind of funny to think that, you know, you've got guys like Gozik who are actually, <laughs> you know, they're, they're choosing the dirt over going to Thompson. Um, you know, I think it's great, though. I, I love that uh, that you've got that sort of, um, you know, cross-pollination going again with, with some guys, and I, I wish we'd see it more often. I was just reading an old program this morning over breakfast and, you know, back in the seventies and Jim Winks and Chuck Siprich and Jim Champheim were all running rowing wheels and weed sport on Friday and Sunday, and then running a swiggo on the pavement on Saturday. And, you know, that those were the days. I mean, Mark Letcher, Bobby Stelter, Mike Rizzo a little bit, uh, used to run his old upright super with the URC sprints. I mean, you used to have a lot of those, those guys that would do that. And, you know, that was fun. It was fun to be able to, to uh, be a part of all that. And so it's neat that we've got a little bit, at least, of that uh, back now um, in the conversation. And hopefully Joe does well at uh, Super Dirt Week. He's, he's, he's performed well, but he just hasn't had any luck up to now. No, he's he's had horrible luck with it. But honestly, he was quite competitive at a swiggle last yeah. year. He was, he was mid-pack in time trials out of 92 cars. So I was actually very impressed. Obviously, he's got some dirt, dirt experience here and there on the mile in the past couple of years with a sportsman. But from what I hear, he has every intent to go race chasing this week for all the satellite shows, Leeds Fort Burton and Oswego as well. So I'm just happy he's having a good time. Well, yeah, that's the main thing. And I mean, he's, you know, people forget that Joe was really fast with the super on the mile at Syracuse yeah, when they used to win. He, yeah, he won it twice. I was there for both of them. And, you know, he, so he can get it done. And he's, it, like you said, he's having a great time. The last time I had a chance to interview him after his win there on, I think it was old timers night at Oswego, um, whenever that, whenever it was, uh, he, he made it a point. We talked about the sports and he said, you know, every time I get out of that car, it doesn't matter how I do, I, I get out of it with a smile and, you know, at, at 62 or 63 years old, good for him. That's all we can ask for is that we're having that much fun at that age. And I'm not really all that far from that. So, um, <laughs> you know, I can kind of look ahead and really say, I hope I'm having as much fun in 10 years as uh, he's having now at, at, at that age. So, um, you know, excited for all of that and uh, obviously glad to have you back aboard here. Uh, look forward to future shows. We know that you've got a parade to do, so we're going to go ahead and um, let you get to that. And uh, we're going to step away for just a moment. And when we come back, we will talk with Jim Ferlito and begin our tribute to Stormin' Norman Macrath, who passed away over the weekend at the age of 92. So thanks, Cam. Appreciate you being on with us. Thanks, Tom. Can't wait to be back next week, and we'll see who the new ISMA champion is. Good luck to Mike Lickby and Kyle Edwards as they battle it out. Should be fun for sure. Hopefully we'll be able to scar some audio or at least some good information. So uh, definitely uh, look forward to that, and we'll be back in a moment. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider Complete Motorcycle Air Suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider Air Shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at Strutmasters.com. 
We're back on Inside Groove as we move along with this week's episode, and it is time to turn our attention to something over the weekend that happened that uh, really makes us all sad, but we're going to try to not let ourselves go there too much on this show. We're going to try to do a little bit of a celebration. Norm Macrath passed away uh, at the age of 92 over in Canada, and for those of you who are newer fans who weren't around in the days when I was growing up there and my current guest, Jim Ferlito, was uh, growing up there, um, Norm was not only one of the most popular drivers at the speedway but he was one of the best drivers at the speedway norm could flat wheel a car and you know his his personality and his way with people made him the popular driver that he was he was not the winningest driver per se but he was always a contender and really had a whole lot of fun and that was really what he wanted to do and wanted to get out of racing was a good time and he certainly got that and jim ferlito it is an honor for me to have you on inside groove and to have a chance to talk about norm with you because i know that i think i I said at the top of the show that uh outside of his of of the family you probably knew norm and kind of saw norm in in the racing world as well as anybody and i know that uh you have you have come basically locked and loaded to share some really, really funny and, and enjoyable Norm Macrath stories with us uh, today as well. So it is just, uh, it's happy, it's, it's a great, uh, great thing for me to be able to have you here. It means a lot. Well, thank you so much, Tom. We both came from a swiggle, and we both end up in North Carolina. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, we still I, never I see told, each other. <laughs> I, I, told, I, told, I tell most people, I'm going to be here 19 years in about another two weeks. And wow. I said, I'll tell you one good reason why I'm here. I haven't shoveled snow in 19 years. Absolutely. That alone is wonderful. Yes. So, yes. But no, going back to Storm and Norman, not only was he my childhood hero growing up, among several heroes, I loved a lot of the racers and all, uh, but he, in life, he became one of my dearest, closest friends yeah. along with his family. And it was a wonderful, incredible journey with them. They were just, it's just Anybody that gets to know any one of the Macrits knows that they're a little bit special people. They're just they they just have such a a lust for life and just you know just living every day to the fullest. And Norm certainly did that. And I want to say one thing before we go any further that you were talking about Norm's popularity, and that truly uh, is, is one of the most accurate statements you can make all day long. His popularity would just never ended. Yeah, but his concern. Every race day was the fan. He would give the fans as much time as they needed. That's why so many of the tributes you've seen on Facebook and different things saying, well, Norm always gave us time after the races. He would stand there and sign autographs. He usually had the biggest crowd around him. The fans just drew to him. And Norm had a special love affair with the with the racing fans. It didn't matter where they were, but uh, he especially loved the Oswego fans. They were treated him so well and vice versa. Well, and and it's that's all true, and I should yeah. probably set the table here by explaining that when I was growing up, um, I had an aunt and an uncle that lived out in southwest Oswego, lived right next to Jimmy, or just kind of, <laughs> not literally, wasn't like... 
uh, wasn't a, a community kind of situation. It was obviously off, but there was space in between. But they were next door neighbors, and the Pritchards. Yeah, they were. They are great neighbors. Are you kidding me? The Pritchard family, just fantastic neighbors. Yeah, and and, uh, and uh, they often, because of the noise and all the action going on, they actually knew what was going on probably more than we did at times. And also, <laughs> but they they were wonderful. And of course, uh, their son Tom. Yes. My cousin uh, went to the races with me and uh, eventually married one, uh, the daughter of one of Norm's mechanics. So he's staying in the family with the Macrith family and racing and all. But uh, a lot of people don't realize that they, they think the first time Norm ever raced in New York or central New York was at Oswego. And that is not correct. Tell Norm us about came that. down. Norm came down. I don't know the year. I want to say 1960 or 61. He came down to race Syracuse. And much to one of the greatest things that happened that day was that he was not parked too far away in the pits from two drivers that eventually would become not only his competitors, but two of his lifelong good friends. They stayed friends throughout it. If it wasn't for Nolan Swift, and Iris Jack Murphy taking Norm aside and saying, look it, you would fit in good on Saturday nights at Oswego Speedway. Norm says, where's that? And they said, you just got to go 30 miles north of here. It's right along the lake. He says, oh, Oswego. Okay, I've heard about that. And Swifty said, Norm, I really think you will enjoy racing there. We would love to have you. I can just tell us racing here today, we would love to have you there. So I don't know if Norm... I think that was at the end of the year. It was the following year, and Norm went there. And of course, when he got into his, you know, when he got to the races that night, looked up Irish Jack and Swifty, and like I said, they remained friends. And Norm, all it took was one night at Oswego, and how well the people welcomed him—not only the management, but the fans and everybody that had to do with it. In fact, there's sort of a funny story. Please when tell. Norm first got to Oswego, when him and his brothers pulled in with their rig, they wanted to get something to eat. It was like sort of like a, around lunchtime. So they they pulled their, their racer and parked it on Bridge Street and went somewhere to, to get something to eat. As they were walking away, this cop car pulls up. Oh, boy. So, oh, boy, what do we do now? So they, they went over there and they said, sir, do you want us to move our car? He says, heck no. He says, this is a swiggle. You could park it in the middle of the road. We wouldn't do anything. Because <laughs> we're, we're a race town. Well, that person was Jack Regan. Okay. Who, whose, fa- whose brother was Fred Regan, who's a lot of people would know, Patty Sheraton, Patty Regan Sheridan. Uh, and they became, he says, I want to call my brother and let him know that you're in town and and uh, I want you to get to my brother. My brother can really help you. And that's the Regans were the first ones in Oswego <clears throat> to, you know, welcome the Macrits in and, and offer them everything, their home, their anything they could do to help. So that's how it all started. They were only in Oswego five minutes, and already they started making 
friendship. It was amazing. Well, not surprising at all for Norm. Um, you know, as I as I said a few minutes ago, growing up with an aunt and uncle that lived next to you, and knowing that the Macros spent so much time with you, we would have my mom's side would do their family reunions at Aunt Anne's house, and you know, we that's how I met uh, Norm. Uh, actually, the first time wasn't even at the track; it was at one of those reunions. I met um, I met uh, his uh, Nancy. Um, his daughter yeah. Nancy uh, at, at one of the the, the reunions. Um, so it was just it, it was funny, and yet you and I never met through that means. It was kind of weird how right. that all worked out. But um, right, yeah, you know. But it but it was. I mean, back then, um, in those days, the sixties, the seventies, you know, when the Macriths, the Coniums, the Sires, whomever you know would come across from Canada, or somebody would come in from yeah. the West. I mean, you know, your house, the Trinkas. You know, there were there were places in town where they would stay and, and congregate and party. And it, it, I mean, I don't yeah. think the newer we, fans realize that part of the history and how close knit everybody uh, was and still is. Yeah, it's we were one. We were very fortunate because out there on the farm, we had a lot of buildings. We had a lot of garages. We had welders. We had lifts we had all different i had tow motors i mean we could do everything you know if anybody needed help with their car or something and we i don't think there's there's very few cars that didn't end up in my driveway i know that but one classic i don't know what year it was we had five cars on the saturday they were all working in our driveway in our garages five cars wow five supers and then i know another one we had four but it was always an open house mainly to the out of towners and all yeah. we were one of many i don't want to take all the credit there was a lot no, of no. a lot of other people around town that that really you know took in a lot of people and made them feel welcome and made their racing weekends so much more smooth and, and uh and much more enjoyable and all but tommy can i go back a little bit i want to tell a little story that a lot of people i'm sure don't even know this you can tell any story you want to the well, floor this, is yours well, back, my friend you know back in the back in the uh 50s and 60s you know norm was racing around canada and he's racing against guys like ted hogan who was the real kingpin up there and unfortunately ted hogan uh they lost in an airplane accident in the toronto bay wow um, and Norm would be racing against Jimmy Howard and Gary Witter. And I think Warren was a little bit too young at that time. Um, Warren Conium. Warren Conium, yeah. yes. And But they were they were out racing. And Norm did, did won a lot of races throughout his career at like places like the CNN Fairgrounds, the CNE Fairgrounds, excuse me, the Canadian National Exhibition right in Toronto, where they would get 20,000 people for each show. It was just amazing. Wow. He ran around Pinecrest and Flamborough, a lot of the tracks through there, like Jimmy Howard and Gary Witter and all. They they had a great thing going. They were the kingpins back then. Norm one day heard about this. They were having a sports car race at one of the local tracks, road courses. I think it was called Harewood Acres. Okay. I don't know where it's located. They told me back then where it was located, but I don't remember. But anyway... These were all very prestigious race, very sleek roadsters, like unbelievable type of cars that are just low slung and some of the most expensive cars in their days. And Norm looked at the rules with his brothers and I thought, we could bring our super and race against them, even though they needed to be pushed off, even though there was only one gear. 
And most people, even when Norm was telling me the story, I'm thinking, you guys have got to be crazy for even doing this. But they did. <laughs> they pulled into the pits. Here they got all these gorgeous cars that are ready to race. And in comes Norm's cars. Now, Norm's cars back in the 50s and 60s, early 60s, I have to admit, even though being a Macrath fan, those cars were a little rough. <laughs> well, they all they were, were back in yeah, those days. Yeah, they were really pretty rough to yeah. look at and all. And he pulls in with this car, and it's upright, it's high, and I think it had a Buick motor in it. And um, most of the competitors got a good laugh out of it, and I can see why. And Norm got there late. He didn't get there in time enough to – he had no practice whatsoever. Really? So his first time out on the track was time trials. So he went out, and they were all laughing and making fun of him and all, and uh, they sort of stopped laughing and joking when he turned the sixth fastest time out of 40 cars. (laughs) So in the group with somebody that I know everybody would know when I mention his name, the guy that set fast time is a guy, I think maybe you've heard about him, Tom. His name is Roger Penske, something like that. (laughs) The captain. So Roger Penske and the drivers got together, and they didn't like what was happening all of a sudden. So they decided that Norm, they had to give some rules to Norm because his car was heavier. And if he would have hit any of their cars, it probably would have knocked them out of the race. And if Norm was a dirty driver, that would have been a good thing. But that was not the case. (laughs) So they agreed that Norm could start the race, but he'd have to start last, which was around 40th or so. And during the race, he had to keep, I don't know if it was a, a foot or two away from all cars at all times, you know? Okay. Well, he started 40th or last, whatever it was. I never got the exact number. And halfway through the race, he was up to fourth and closing in on the leaders. Wow. When the when the radiator hose blew and uh, put him out of the race, much to the delight of the competitors, but the fans loved Norm out there. They were naturally he became the sentimental favorite, and uh, of course, him being from Canada, a lot of the fans knew who he was. So. Sure. So that that was one of the things he really got Roger Penske's attention. Now, about nineteen seventy six seventy seven, I was working public relations on the IndyCar circuit for Todd Gibson. Yep, when and Todd was, uh, went to try Indy 500 and ran IndyCar yeah, for a couple yeah, years. Yeah, he was running the whole circuit, yeah. Indy being USAC, one of them. back then. And uh, I have to say, Roger Penske was always gracious with people. He he would think he'd be sort of, you know, uh, standoffish and all. Not at all. Roger Penske was an absolutely gracious man, always took time for anybody that said hello and anything. And so I approached him and I said, Roger, I got to ask you a question about 10, 15 years ago, you tried to get one of my one of my buddies barred from racing with you up in Canada. Oh, he, he thought of it right off the bat. He says, that Norm guy? I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, boy, did he know how to drive a car. He said, it's too bad back then that I was a driver. I wasn't an owner like I am today because I would have signed him right up. Wow. <laughs> that, coming from, and, uh, that coming from Roger, and Roger, I know uh, – Probably because of all his success, a lot of people don't care for him, but he truly is a wonderful gentleman. He really is. But, but Norm really, you know, he made he made a, made his mark with, in a lot of places on that. So, 
That's but awesome. We're all sort of happy he ended up in Oswego. Thank you, Nolan Swift and Irish Jack. You know, so. Well, and that really, I think that in itself tells a story about how much different it was back then when you have arguably the two most dominant drivers of that period, Nolan and, and Jack, both saying to this Norm fella, hey, come on, join us, have some fun. You know, absolutely. It was think, the more the merrier at that point. That, that that's that's an honor in itself. Just either one of those coming up to you, but both of them was outstanding. You know, so and and I have to say they stayed. You know, they all stayed good friends right to each one of their ending and all. So, you know, but um, well, they were all gentlemen. They were all just great, great men, good men. You right, know, and right. that's really. You know, growing up, I think that's, you know, that's the thing I remember the most is back in those days, you know, and of course, I'm a 70s kid. You go back slightly farther than I do, but yeah, um, but you, it was Tom. still the same. <laughs> I said slightly. Come on now. But, but it was. Uh, but- my, my parents, my parents took me up to the races because they were race fans. And my parents took me up there when I was three years old. Okay, so I go, well, I go back to 1954 and 55. Wow. So. <laughs> okay. A little, okay. A little more than slightly, but uh, at any rate, we, we I digress. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah. back. That's what I remember. Is you think about Nolan, you think about. Uh, of course, I didn't start actually going till 73, and Jack had basically retired. Mm-hmm. Um, his last year was 72, but you know, Nolan, Norm, Todd, you know, they, those guys were. They had been around a while. Don McLaren would come down. You know, the, the, there was a generation there that were already, you know, older, so to speak. And then you had the so-called young guys like Warren Conium and, you know, Eddie mm-hmm. Bellinger, who who definitely was younger. But, you know, it wasn't the same as it is today in the sense of, you know, you get 18-year-olds running, you know, or Tyler Thompson at 17. You you know, the youngest driver in it of the period was probably and I I, don't, I, mean, I have to guess, but I would say probably a Bellinger or an Albritton or yeah. you know, and they were early twenties, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. Stevie, <laughs> yeah. Joya, Stevie, you know, yep, Stevie, Joe, yep. Those, yeah, they 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 were all getting ready to make their mark, and they did. They all did fantastic. Yeah, you know, yep. It um, was um, was a different time back then, and those guys. Those guys had a good time, and that's the the one thing that I remember, and of course, not being old enough to partake, but uh, remember hearing the stories about how they all used to go to the Colonial House or wherever it would be after the races, and, you know, things would ensue, you know, <laughs> but they yeah, all but went together the, as a group. The people at the Colonial House got a hold of Norman and said, we'd like to sponsor you, but we'd like to have you, you know, say that after the races, you're going to come down and be at the colonial house so we can get more people in here. Well, right. Norm said, first, I ha- like this always was Norm. I have to be with the fans at, a, at the speedway first. Right. When we get done with the fans, then I'll come down to colonial house. That colonial house was so packed with, I think just about every driver came down there and fans. You couldn't hardly even walk into the place. It worked out real good for management. Trust oh, I me. bet. Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing stories about Swifty and Baldy taking over the bar, you know, and just oh. tending bar. I mean, you know, there but was a, 
There was a few things. I mean, uh, Gladys Baker, Baldy Baker's wife, is one of the nicest people to meet anywhere, and she'd be on top of a table dancing, you know? So, <laughs> you but, know. but, you know, she was with, and I'm not making fun of Gladys, because she's, she's still alive, bless her heart, the best last I knew, but she was just an absolutely gracious lady. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but she was with her friends having fun, and that's what it was all about back then. Exactly. Yep, you that's know? exactly but, right. Now, uh, I remember hearing a story and I know that you're you're going to know the story. I remember hearing a story about uh, a bed race uh, at Fulton Speedway. <laughs> to this to this day, this was back in 1969. To this day, I think it was the greatest promotion that I've ever seen locally. And maybe NASCAR right. or IndyCar might do something a little bit more fancy, but. What they did was they offered a bed race, and they had prizes. They had like whoever won the race, they got a complete bedroom set, and it was a it was a nice thing, you know, back in those days. What the what the rules were is that you got a bed, and you had you know the rollers or how do they call them casters, coasters, yeah, whatever. Yeah, casters, yeah. all. Uh, Tommy, my memory isn't what it used to be, <laughs> so you have to bear with me. That's okay. That, that was race mine. was incredible. You like, I mean, I remember, of course, Norman Marg were in it. Uh, I remember Jim and Leona Champagne were in it. Uh, Mark and Shirley Letcher. I think Ronnie and Faye Wallace were in it. Oh boy! Were, I, think, I think there were six or seven beds, and one of the contestants was at the time, and she still is. Well, she passed twenty years ago, but Minnie Knight, Minnie Klein. Uh, better known as Minnie Knight, her and her boyfriend, Peppy Cone, who was a racer, entered a bed as well. They were very secretive. You know, what they did with their beds, They everybody decorated their beds, they put the sheets on, and the wives would sit on the bed, and the drivers would, would push the bed around the, the track. Now, what was the, was the object that whoever could do the fastest one lap around the track? Was that what they oh, were no. doing? Oh, no. They all raced together. They all raced Well, no, but I mean, it was one lap. It was a one-lap shootout, Oh, basically. one lap. Yeah, yeah. just, just yeah. a one-lap shootout, yeah. Now, folks. The funny, th- part was, the funny part was they all got down into one, and they weren't ready for the corners. That Fort, you know, the Fulton Banks are very, very to say, yeah. And everybody <laughs> went down into the infield, except for Norm. Norm figured that that, that turn is going to bring the beds right down. There was a pileup of beds down to the bottom. People in the grandstand were in hysterics. But... Minnie Knight had to do something special. She had publicly said that she's going to beat Norm Mackworth, especially. She's going to show Norm because she she loved Norm. She loved all the drivers, but she particularly got a kick out of Norm and Swifty. And they they were very secretive with their bed. Uh, when, when they threw the green flag, she st- she stayed back. She didn't do anything. She's waving to the crowd, and they're thinking, what the heck is she up to? Her and Peppy, then all of a sudden you see a little action going on down there, and all of a sudden that bed is flying around that racetrack. It's just going around. What they had done is they welded a mini bike to the frame of the bed. <laughs> and so she and had horsepower. She had more than horsepower. <laughs> she, she had she stole the show. <laughs> and when she caught up, and when she caught up with Macrath on the first lap, she wanted to chase him through the infield. She says, "I'm going to have you running through the infield," you know. And she, they just played it, and of course, Norm played along with it, you know. And and they just, but Norm didn't know what she was up to. Nobody knew. But that that night, 
Minnie, in, in all reality, Minnie won the race because she won it by I don't know how many laps. But, yeah. um, but besides the point, they protested her and they wanted her. They, she wasn't looking to, to win anything. She just wanted to have some fun. And Norman Marg won the bed race. It was the New York State Bed Championship. <laughs> and uh, and at Fulton Speedway, it was fantastic. And, again, people, this is when it was pavement, not dirt. It was pavement then, right. just to clarify those yes. that are new. Right, yes. And, um, and Norman Marg won it. I don't think – I think the Letchers were second. I'm not quite sure. But there were, I think, seven beds in it. It was really one of the funniest things to see. They, they entertained the people for a good half hour. It was fantastic and all, so – and Norman Marr got a beautiful bedroom suite that they gave for Nancy. They got one for Nancy's room, and and uh, it, it was uh, – people still talk about it that were there. And then to top it all off that night, Norm won the super feature. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so it was a clean sweep for the Macros that night and all. So. But, you know, anything like that that would entertain the fans, it's like when they did the bicycle race. The Eagle Fan Club did the bicycle races at Oswego. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was the one that set it up. I can't even remember the rules. I think the driver took a lap, and then they had to stop and eat a hot dog when they were done with the hot dog. Then Nancy took over the team. Yes. You had to have a Nancy took over and finished it, and they won by a hundred how much? So Norm was the first one, and Nancy to win the bed race. At, or, I'm sorry, the uh, the bicycle Bike race. race yeah. then, I remember those. Those were cool. I think, I think a couple years later, Nancy and her brother Brian won it. Okay. They won it a couple years after that, after Norman sort of retired and backed off and all. So, but again, it was entertaining the fans, and that was that was what the whole point was about and all. So, and if I, ha- I, I there's another story I'd like to tell you, Tom. Please, maybe some of the, the the more younger our younger fans. And don't get me wrong, we love the young fans. We we need them to keep everything going. Absolutely. We, we we did our thing back in the days. We did our thing, doing our thing, and now we got to have the young kids take over. And there's a lot of young fans that are coming in good and a lot of young drivers that are just like you mentioned, Tyler Thompson. I've never talked to the gentleman. I don't know him, but what an incredible job these young drivers are doing. They're oh, yeah. doing a great job. You know, young, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of them, you know, that are, are doing a great job and all. Anyway. Oswego had their 50th anniversary celebration. They had a parade through town, and I know a lot of people would know, uh, oh, the the Thompson boy there, he sells programs. Um, Terry. Terry Thompson. He was the lucky one that got to drive Norm in the parade. When you see him, you ask him how much fun that was. He couldn't believe how many people were bringing up Norm, leaving the parade, coming up and bringing Norm beer and soda and stuff and all. (laughs) And the people hollering, Sturman, Norman, and stuff, Terry could not believe. He knew Norm was popular, but couldn't believe what was going on there. But later that night, later that day, they had the autograph session at the Speedway, and this is a true story. They had all the old drivers lined up, and the they had the new drivers, the current drivers back around. This is, I think, 99 or 2000. They were all in the pits there signing. They had a, I don't know how many fans were there. And they're signing autographs, and this is going on. Everything is just fantastic. Everything's going well. And Greg Furlong, who's not only one of my closest friends, but he is my godson, Greg Furlong calls me over and he says, Jimmy, who in the heck is that guy with all the people in his line? I can't believe it. He says, 
half the women in that line are gorgeous. I'm getting jealous. I want them in my life. <laughs> and and I said, what are you talking about? He says, this guy. I said, you know who that is, don't you? He says, no, who is that? I said, that guy with all the fans in his line waiting to get an autograph is Norm Macris. <laughs> and he says, look at, look at, he says, look at, here's a guy bringing food up to him. Here's somebody else bringing him up something to drink. He says, into the hugs and the kisses, I am really getting pissed. I really am. <laughs> That's so Furlong, too. And, and Furlong had a lot of fans. I mean, there were people who didn't like him, but he certainly had a great following. That's for sure. But afterwards, he said, you know what? I should have known. My mother's favorite driver was Norm Macrath. Now I see what's going on here. So. <laughs> and then, ironically, it was maybe a year later, they were racing the indoor midgets at Niagara Falls. And um, uh, uh, Greg and all the Macrath, both families got to know each other real well because Greg got a ride, and, of course, Andy had his ride, and yep. Craig ran a few times as well. And so... Uh, I w- would always book the Holiday Inn across the street. I'd, I'd book two floors, and they really got to know each other, uh, as well as, you know, I had two floors of people, and we all, we all uh, you know, partied before and after the races yeah. and Friday night and all. And so we really became a real big, happy family uh, after that. But Greg was amazed, the people that was giving Norm attention. He just couldn't believe it. So Well, I I, I can imagine. And, again, you know, you – he was a he was a driver who, as you said, and it's a great way to say it, he always put the fans first. You know, always. back in those days, and, you know, I really wish that it would, it, I wish that, and it's not even, I think it, ha- it still happens to a, a bigger degree at Oswego than it does anywhere mm-hmm. else, but back in the days when you and I were growing up going to the track, after the races, you would go over to the pits and you would meet your heroes. You could get their autographs. I used to do that every single week. And that was the, that was usually the highlight of the night. Yeah. Really. And, you know, I became a champagne fan because Jimmy learned my name and he used to, you know, he would squat down and talk to me eye to eye and would, would treat oh, me. Jimmy was know, wonderful. What, he a, was. what a wonderful, wonderful, and, wonderful man. Not alone, just a competitor. But a wonderful person he was. He was. And Warren Conium was the same. And, you know, and, and Norm and Nolan, I mean, those guys, you know, this is why I have such reverence. And I think it's also why those of us who came through that era are so fiercely, intensely still loyal to Oswego in the super modified division because it wasn't just a good time on a Saturday night. It was this, you know, we were by being there and and being able to do that. We became part of that family, even if only, you know, the distant cousins that you only see once a week, right. Or once a year. Right. Exactly. But as you grow up, they become your friends. And you know, I totally agree. I've told people, that what is it 120 acres of land up there on east albany street people don't realize the lifelong cherished friendships that are really like family that have that have started on that you know uh, at that speedway and still i I mean it's it's very honest for me and my family because my family also was into racing right the friendships that we made up there that are still strong today now unfortunately We've lost a lot of a lot of our family over the last several years and all, which is sure. normal for life, you know. But yep. 
people just don't realize. Um, I, I think the younger kids, the the younger fans, and again, I, I respect all of you. Don't get me wrong. You'll know in about 30 years the friendships we're talking about because you'll look back on it, and even some of your enemies will be become one of your friends. Trust me. So. Well, yeah. I mean, it's because you have to live. You have to. Life teaches you that. You, you when yeah. you're young, you just don't have that. You you have to you have to experience enough of life to understand that at the end of it all, you know, things are nice, but people matter the most. And Norm was one of those people that whether you were specifically a Norm Macrath fan or not, you couldn't help but cheer for him when he won or when he did well. And you right. always wanted to say hi to him. And when and I you know, I posted a picture um on Facebook that I don't even know who originally took it, but it went all the way back to Tommy Pritchard, my cousin Tommy's wedding. Right. And mm-hmm. my little brother and I and Norm, you know, and it was that I cherish that because Absolutely, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that I I was at a family wedding and there was one of my heroes. Yeah. Yeah. I wedding. was in that wedding too. I'm I sure was, you were. Was, yeah. <laughs> you know But you know, he's he's made so many the anybody that's close to Norm and has traveled with him. It, it just blows my mind. Everywhere he goes, people know him. I mean, yeah. people, I'm not, this is just not something to say. I'm being honest. I live in a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina, and Norm used to love to come down in the winter and go golfing. Loved it. Him and Marg sometimes sure. get away. We went out to dinner one night here, and Marg, we're getting seated at the restaurant, and Marg says, Jimmy, do you know those people over there? They keep looking over here, and they're looking at us. And I said, no, I don't know them. Well, when they were done eating, they got up and they came walking towards the table. And I said, oh, those people are coming over here right now. <laughs> and they came over. They didn't ask about me. They said, aren't you Norm Macrath? <laughs> they, yeah, that they, were, they were from um, Pennsylvania. They they come up to Oswego about half the year, and Norm was one of their favorite drivers. They couldn't wow. believe it that they they saw him in North Carolina, and they were down here because their son had moved to North to Raleigh. So that's why they were there. And they started talking about Norm racing here. That was one thing. Another one was when he went golfing down here and he's talking to, talking to a few people at the golf course. I don't golf. I just dropped him off the golf course right? and he does his thing. And uh, I do my thing and he, he's there and he calls me up and he says, don't come up and pick me for a while. He says, because we're having a few drinks here. He says, I ran into some people. We were there we were there golfing and, and we were just knew each other's first names. And then one of the guys said, Well, Norm, what is your last name? And he said, Macarith. And he says, No, no, it, it can't be. He says, oh, I just raced against we raced against Andy Macrath uh in the wintertime at Atlantic City. Oh wow. He says, No, no, that's my son. Yeah. They could I mean, wherever they go, Norm finds someone wherever they go. And the most incredible thing was Norm had, I, when I used to go up for the TQ races, like I was still living, I was living here. Uh, I would bring back, you know, a few rolls of film and to have him developed. I took him up to the Rite Aid to get him developed. And this one gentleman would take care of it. And all right, they'll be ready in a couple of days because they did it right there at the facility. And mm-hmm. so I went back to pick up these photos. And here's, you know, from the TQ midgets in, 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 in um, Niagara Falls. And the one guy says, I'm not supposed to ask you this, but it's very important to me and my father. 
And I said, what's wrong? You can ask me anything. And he says, he says, we grew up in Toronto. Oh, wow. And he says, I was young when my father would take me to the races at the CNE, the Canadian National Exhibition in Toronto. And I know, I remember, we liked Norm Macrith. And there's an Andy Macrith. Uh, are they related? And he says, by any chance, this looks like a photo of Norm Macrith that I remember. This was a guy that had moved here about the same time I did, and he remembers Norm from his childhood. And so he asked if he could print up some photos. I said, you can print up all the photos you want. I don't care. And he sent them to his father, and his father could not believe it, that and that's Norm's something. kids are racing and all, and, and that there was a connection somehow that they found out about Norm Macris, who was their favorite driver back then. So. Well, you know, and then there again, you know, even those TQ Midget weekends at the falls, I mean, gosh, I miss those. And I know they still race them, and they, like, I know they ran at Syracuse. But you know what? Back in those days, it was who was involved, you know? Oh, the Macros and Bentley and and the Samick group, and you'd have Jack Hewitt come in. And I mean, it was just, oh, oh, my gosh, those were so much fun. Hebron came up and raced a few times, and uh, yeah. And we used to have. Thanks to Bentley, and I th- was at Hebron, we used to have fire drills in the middle of the night oh. that we really thanked them <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, pulling and also, the fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, was, I was sitting there, the fire alarm kept going off and kept going off and kept going off, and I was sitting in a room with <laughs> Doug and Cindy Didero, and I was and with us was Skip and Lois Massa. Oh, boy. And, and, oh, my God, that alarm, why don't they shut off that dang alarm? It's just driving us nuts because nobody would do anything. We knew it was... You know, Bentley pulled it, or Hebron pulled it, or somebody pulled it. Probably you know, both. So I just, oh, I, I, I said, Doug, can I use your phone? I think we were in, in Hebron's room, and I, he says, guys, can you guys turn off that damn alarm? He says, where are you? I said, I'm up in room whatever it was. He says, sir, we do we actually have a fire here. You better get out of there. Oh, really? <laughs> we had one of the, one of the uh, heaters caught on fire in one of the rooms. It was nothing major, but you got to get out, you know? <laughs> So it was a real fire. Yeah. So we're all sitting there, and I said, "We better get out." We went out, went went out the back way, and went into the lobby, and here are all our racing fans right there, and also our just keep the party going. Let it burn. Oh my God! I'm telling you, just some of the. I mean, the stories are endless with any driver, but um, oh, I gotta tell funny. you this one story, and I'll and I'll shut up after this. Okay? Oh no, we're having this, a good time. Please, this, this is hysterical. Now, I'm sure most people know Johnny Teresi. Oh, yes. And I'm sure most people either have heard or knew of a guy by the name of Tommy Hunter, who was a country I remember music Tommy. star. Yep. Tommy Hunter was a good friend of Norm Macrith, and he used to come to Oswego, and he would come in with his motorhome, and he actually would park out on the farm at our place. He'd park there for the weekend and sometimes stay a week, but Tommy would come in. We were racing in Florida in 1977. This is when Todd Gibson got that. Polinsky car for Norm. Yep, the last one he drove. Yeah. Yep. yep. And Norm went down to race. He finished fifth on the first night, and then he got second in the second night. And then the third night, he, or the second night, there was a double feature. He blew the motor. So this day was an easy day. We were just going to go have breakfast and all. So Teresi always, we used to always go down to Teresi's house, including Norm and Marg and the family, and go to Teresi's farm and, you know, hang out a little bit. And then but then when we were racing up near Vero Beach, or I think we were up near West Palm Beach, we'd go up there and 
Johnny Teresi would stay with us, you know? So we went, <laughs> we decided to go to breakfast. And so it was Teresi, me, Tommy Hunter. Now, Tommy Hunter, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, looks similar to Glenn Campbell. He did, yes, and, actually, yeah, and, you're right. And Norm, and Norm Macrath. Well, Tommy, Johnny, and I went to breakfast. We're waiting for Norm. Norm got held up, whatever, whatever. So we're sitting there, and as we walk into this diner, there was a gentleman sitting off to the side wearing a Lancaster Speedway T-shirt. And whenever, wherever I go my whole life, if I see anybody with a racing shirt on, I always gesture hello or how are you or whatever and go from there. So right. when we walked in, I I just gestured over to the guy. I saw Lancaster Speedway and blah, blah, blah. He was looking at attention at us like, oh, my gosh, you know. So he was very gracious. But he'd had a little bit too much to drink. Had a little bit too much to drink. So we're sitting there, and we just got some – we got started going. And this guy got up, got up out of his chair and came walking over to us, and he – introduced himself i can't remember his name but he was again very gracious but he'd had a little bit too much to drink um and he looked at johnny teresi i I have to laugh at this and he got johnny teresi mixed up with mario andretti oh gosh (laughs) well i bet johnny would have liked to have uh, been that well you know now who does johnny look like he sort of looks a little bit like mario andretti when you know in his younger days so johnny gives gives him an autograph with mario andretti he signed it that's great and he turns to me and he says do you know al unser here and so i'm looking at him and he said Sign an autograph for this guy. So I put down Al Unster. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we're laughing, and he turns to Tommy Hunter, and he says, I, I, I really have to tell you, sir, my family, we have all your phonographic records. And, Mr. Campbell, if I could get if I could get <laughs> your autograph, Glenn Campbell, well, we're in stitches. We're just laughing away. Now, this guy now starts strikes up a conversation with Tommy Hunter. As Glenn Campbell. Who he thinks is Glenn Campbell. <laughs> Johnny and I are over here in hysterics because Johnny, Johnny's a fun person. You can have a lot of fun with him. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, here comes Norm walking in. And Johnny turned to me and says, oh, I wonder who he's going to think Norm is. He's probably going to think he's the, the king of England or something like that. You know, and I said, God only knows. So this guy, Norm walks up to the table and is standing behind this guy. And the guy all of a sudden realized that somebody's behind him. And uh, he turns and he goes, oh, my God, it's Storm and Norman. He got one of us right. <laughs> and how he would know Norm. Uh, of course, I guess if he had a Lancaster T-shirt on, yeah, you, that's how, yeah. Was a, oh, he was, and he was so gracious. <laughs> and Norm was great with him. They got along great. We had, we really, that's, we still laugh about that and all. Although, Teresi can't remember it very well, but, you know, oh, yeah. maybe, well, maybe. Maybe he had too much to drink too. I don't yeah, know. They, I'm not a drinker. Yeah, I don't drink, so I they can't ever accuse me of that. So, but uh, that's but that's funny. Out, wherever he goes, wherever he, I just totally it blows my mind how well people know Norm Macrath. Totally blows my mind. And one other thing, I just want to mention, Tom, and I promise Please. I will end with this. A lot of people do not know this, but this is absolutely true. Since 1949, a Macrath has either raced or a Macrath-owned car 
was being competed in, even maybe for two, three races. But since 1949, the Macrits have had a car out in competition right up to 2019. They, they raced three times this year. Uh, none of the Macrits raced. They had other drivers race their car. I was going to say. 1949 to 2019 shows how much this family loves racing. Wow. That's 70 years. 70 years. And the only ones I can, now I know there's probably others that have a lot of big numbers, but the only ones I know right off the bat can outdo them are my good friends, the Rudimans, because Buzzy's father started racing in 39, and someone has either raced or raced a Rudiman car right up to now. Still racing. That's amazing. Well, yeah, Buzzy's still racing, right? Uh, Buzzy's still racing yeah. at 78. Yeah, and winning. And winning. So, yeah. Bless his heart. So, yeah. That's, that's but, uh, yeah. Norm was just amazing. He was one of these people, one of the drivers who kind of transcended a little bit you know he mm-hmm. he was he was a celebrity <laughs> you know the, and there were a few of those i mean now I, when i say celebrity what i mean by that is i mean we all looked at we all have favorites and whatever and of course you know your your favorite is always a, a hero or a celebrity to you but i mean there were just some of those guys you know swifty was like that norm was like that bentley was like that you know um these were guys that you know you would Again, you had friends all over the place, and people knew them all over the place. I think Baldy Baker, to to that extent. Ah, uh, Baldy Baker, one you know, of the greatest. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you had Johnny Logan out in Michigan. You had, you know, Ali Silva and and you know Eddie West, and maybe you know Don McLaren or whatever up in New England. But there were just yeah. there were certain guys who just were almost bigger than the the, well, the they, you know any 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 racer at Oswego uh, in the supers, especially. They were heroes to, yeah. to how many fans? I yeah. mean, it didn't matter if you were, and again, I don't like to name people, but if they were front runners or rear runners right. or whatever, or, you know, they were heroes to everybody. And I, I remember Eddie Maxson, one of the great guys in the swiggle there that were, yep. worked on the safety, safety crew and crew, all. Sure. He says, the greatest part of the night was to go into the pits and talk to your heroes. Yes. He says, your drivers, he said, to your heroes. And yes. he was absolutely right. Yep. And and that's the thing, and it's like you know you go, um, you know it, it it seems like it's less now, and and I don't I don't see there are tracks like you know I'm down here, I mean this is NASCAR country down here, and we have our short tracks, our dirt tracks, and, and all of that, and there's some great racing down here in in the Charlotte area, yeah. but by the time the races are over, you know everybody in the pits is packing up, and they can't wait yeah. to get out. There's none of that, and then we wonder yeah. why. Yeah. You know, and there at a, fans. At Oswego, that's why. At, yeah, and at Oswego, I know because uh, the few times I'm up there, I go into the pits afterwards, and there there seems to be they they seem to hang on a lot they of the do. fans yeah. on there. But what we used to have back in the old days at Oswego, they would pay you off that night, so a lot of the drivers would leave the pits and come underneath the grandstand or the concession area Waiting and wait for, for the Dick purse. O'Brien yeah. to come down with your envelope. Dick O'Brien would come down with your envelope. Yep. Yep. So a lot, a lot of the drivers hung around, and that made it all the great for someone like me who wasn't afraid to go up to a Ronnie Wallace and say, hey, Ronnie, you know, how are you? A lot of people are afraid. I've never been afraid to open my mouth, that's for sure. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, you and I and, share that. Oh, I've never been afraid to go up, you know, and, you know, uh, hey, Skip Manning, you know, where's Bogalusa, Louisiana? You know, that's what I asked him one night. And uh, well, it, it, it's, just, it's just amazing, it, it, the, the fans and 
Norm's love for the fans never never died. It's and it's still it's still as apparent today with some of the tributes given out there and all. And I oh, know the Mantis sure. family greatly appreciates it very much and all. So well, Norm was Norm was awesome. I I I still remember like it was last night the the last feature yeah. that he actually yeah. won that photo mm-hmm. finish with Nolan Swift. Right. Um, and in him coming across the line, I mean, you know, when when I first started going to the track, I mean, the first year I went, Ronnie Wallace was driving the Bali car and then, you know, Norm was was the one that followed that. Um, right. And and boy, those flying fives were so beautiful back then. Beautiful. And, and you just and Norm was always fast and always fun to watch. And when he won that race. I remember the crowd just going manic and who knew it yeah. would be his last win, you know, <laughs> but, but you just have that memory of them crossing the line. And I thought Swifty beat him and I was actually, I wanted Norm to win. And it wasn't that I didn't yeah. like Nolan. It was just, I wanted the flying five to win that race, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and when I found out that in fact he, he did, that was the first time I'd ever experienced what you would call a photo finish. It was basically almost a tie at the line. It was incredible. I mean, the, the competition back then was amazing. And, you know, the, yeah. the, um, and of course, you know, your experience kind of went, um, through the roof, uh, a few years later when you actually decided to buy a car and put your hero Ronnie Wallace in it. Yeah. Um, well, you- we all have our weak moments, you know. <laughs> so, oh, no, not, nothing against Ronnie Wallace. No, no, no. Just, you know, I'd like to have that money back today. Yeah, but anyway, I you. But, you know, at the time, it was a, it was a fun thing to do. You wanted to do it before I died. And, uh, you know, so the you, know, you, do it and you don't regret it, you know, yep. and all. And Ronnie Wallace was a tremendous competitor, too. And, and a great person. So, well, but, Tommy, I got I got to I'm going to tell you, I lied to you. I got one more story. You got to hear. Please. You just, absolutely. You just, Have you at just, it. You just, you just flickered my mind on something here about something you just said. Have at it. Norm got burned in 1968 and came back and was racing uh, the following year. Oh, he yes. started, he raced at the end of that. He raced Race classic. classic yeah. yeah. Yep. In 69, he was having a tough time with that uh, Duke's car. Uh, so they went out and they did this trade with, uh, and, and which ended up him getting the Gibson roaster, which yes. now is a totally different thing. And that night, uh, that night, first night they ran it at Oswego, Norm won the feature in the Gibson car. About two, three days later, uh, us being farmers, the Caruso's down at Northern Steel were so great. If we needed something welded or something fixed or something manufactured, they would fabricate it for us. Right. So I went down there, and George Caruso Sr. comes out. Hey, wasn't that a wasn't that you must have been happy the other night with Norm? I said I'm happy as long as they're all safe. I'm happy, but yes, I was very happy. Norm won. He says, Jimmy, I got to tell you something. You won't believe it. In fact, I wouldn't believe it if I didn't see it with my own eyes. He says, I heard the crowd. The crowd was going freaking nuts up there. So I, he would always be in the concession. He was in charge of the concession. George Caruso Sr. He says. Okay. I came up the stairs, and I'm watching the crowd, and the crowd is, you know, now there's five laps to go, four laps to go, and they're really pushing Norm on because they remember the fire. And I looked over, and there were two people that caught my eye that were, oh, my God, they were praying for Norm, and they were, it was just incredible. He says, I've never seen anything like that. He says, that's the first time in my life I've ever seen Two nuns in the grandstand <laughs> cheering on the races. <laughs> I said, "You're kidding." 
He says, does Norm know any of the nuns? I said, I'm sure Norm knows nuns down in like, California or something. Say, yeah. So he said, no, seriously. I said, George, all I can think about is when Norm was in the hospital burned, the local uh, nuns would come in to visit the, the patients, and maybe that's how it, maybe how it took off from then, you know? That's funny. So Wow. But no, he had two, and they were dressed in their their you know the nun uniforms yep, and all. The habit, and they yeah. were praying. And when Norm won, they were jumping up and down. He said it was something to see, Jim. It was something to see. So, anyway, he got That's... a little extra uh, divine that night, uh, spiritual from uh, a little extra help to well, win. The, so the the funny thing about that is you bring up that 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 swap. Um, I remember reading about that. And it, it appeared that that was kind of the heist of the century because, you know, Norm Norm actually got this Gibson car out of the swap in exchange for a clearly outdated car. And the and the the I think the caveat was that if they swapped cars, Norm would give him some driver coaching. And of course, Norm goes out and starts winning, and the other guy basically disappeared. Well, they, I, I have to tell you, they did. There was a money exchange as well. Well, sure, you know, yeah. I mean, I didn't understand that, but but it it, yeah. it still but, was. You know, it's like yeah. trading your old Buick for a Corvette. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'll help you learn wanna, to drive it better. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to mention the guy's name. The no, I don't either. Most, most people know, but I don't think it was cut out for him. I think he gave it a try and. And you know, again, there's nothing to be ashamed of. No, I mean, not at all. It was. Yeah. It's just funny to, the way things happen sometimes, and um, yeah. you kind of look at it and go, "Wow, that was." You know, you 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 talk about trades in the NFL or whatever, yeah. the Herschel Walker yeah. deal or whatever, and sometimes it's just like we basically stole that player. Well, th- this yeah, was kind was, of the same thing. <laughs> the guy clearly some, didn't know. You know, some. Somebody should have got a bonus for that. Yeah. I'll tell you, set up the deal on that. <laughs> was, uh, wouldn't you and I like to be the agent for that guy? Oh, and all, boy. So. Yeah, that was something. I, You know, again, th- those are great stories, and the Speedway was built on stories like that, and the Speedway was built through the courage and the the personalities uh, of of people like Norm. And, you know, that's really what I wanted to bring out on this show is that were it not for, you know, the, the, the Nolan Swifts, the Jack Murphy's, the Norm Macrath's, the Wayne Landon's, those people are people who were the pillars that the speedway still sits on today, you know? Um, and well, uh, you know, like Wayne Landon, it was a nine hour drive for him and Ruth to come in every nine hours, one way people nine hours, one way. Yep. Todd and Brenda Gibson, now granted, they they ran here not that many years, but Todd Gibson was 519 miles from Oswego. That's one way. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, it, people don't realize just the traveling alone that these people had to do. Oh, yeah. And really, all the Canadians had at least a four-hour drive. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, R- Rutledge, I probably, I would say Carl Rutledge probably had five, maybe even a little bit more and all, but these guys were dedicated. They loved the sport. You know, and they just kept on going. You know, yeah. But well, you know, when you're young, you can do anything, just about. Well, so. you can, but even you know, even somebody like Wayne Landon. I mean, I remember when Wayne made his comeback and was driving. He he 
that whole story with him and Billy Law building a car in 10 days yeah. and finishing the classic. And then, you know, he came back again later on and was driving for uh, Bob and Ernie June. And, yeah. you know, in the 59 car and did that for how many years? I mean, that was in, yeah. in he, he knew he wasn't going to win races. He just right. was, it was still fun for him. They, that was they, the whole they, deal. Yeah. They loved it. And I keep in touch with, you know, Wayne just passed away yes. here a few months ago. But I still keep in touch with his wife, Ruth, because she's one of my dear friends. And they did it because they loved it. Yep. They loved the sport. They loved coming to Oswego. They loved going to Sandusky. They loved going, but they loved Oswego and the fans and the friends they made up here, you know? Well, so. that's it. And, I mean, you know, again, you and I both really kind of grew up in the same era. And, you know, I – that was one of the big reasons I wanted to bring this show back was to to basically tell these stories and make them part of permanent record. And, you know, there are so many. And, we, and you're right. We've lost. I mean, we, we lost Wayne. We lost Shirley Letcher. Um, Shirley and Mark, again, you know, around super modifieds in Oswego forever. And, you know, the the personality and the stories and, and all of that, um, you know, and all the 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 help that Shirley gave to Isma and, and wherever Eagles, I think. You know, it um those those are the again, those are the 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 people whose shoulders uh the, the this generation stands on. Um yep. as you know, yep. and so I I really appreciate uh you coming on and spending an hour with us just uh talking about Norm and remembering Norm because that's how we want to remember him. We wanna laugh, well, we wanna you thank know. you. Thank you for allowing me to honor of my good friend Norm and his family because they really were, they were a huge part of my life, as well as many, many others, but probably the Macrits and the Gibsons more than anybody. So, but well, just a, a wonderful gang of people. We've met so many wonderful people. And uh, anyway, Tommy, keep this great show going. Keep it going, we're please. We're going to do our best. That's uh, that's the plan. And uh, thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> we appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. That was Jimmy Ferlito. And uh, when we come back around the turn here, we're actually going to be talking with Craig Macrith about Norm Macrith. I can't wait. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Let me ask you all a question. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Are you tired of what you're doing and just want to make a change, but you just really don't know how to make the change or what you want to change to? Are you looking for maybe a new career or are you looking for a first career? Maybe you're looking for an opportunity to just kind of catch up with the technology that today's work demands. Here's a way to do that. It's called My Computer Career. Information technology. Now, I know, I know, you're asking the question, what if I'm not good at math or science? That's okay. It's all right. Not rocket science. Here's the deal. MyComputerCareer.edu is the website. That's where you go. MyComputerCareer.edu. They have a free career evaluation that you can take. If after taking that, you decide that you want to maybe pursue a career in IT, here's the deal. My Computer Career will help you from the beginning all the way to the end. They have financial aid available if you're eligible, including the GI Bill. So this is really pretty simple here. They've got seven campuses all across the country, or you can do it online, and you don't even have to do it full-time. You can do it a few times a week, and in as little as four months, you could be ready for a new career in IT. Here's a shocking stat. There are over 2 million 
unfilled cybersecurity jobs in this country right now. They cannot train people fast enough to take these positions. So demand right now is clearly uh, outpacing supply in this field. My computer career is a tremendous teaching source. They will help you. They work with hundreds of employers to help you get into the industry after you are ready to go. And they are nationally accredited. So again, it's an opportunity and it's an opportunity to get into an industry that's just going to continue to increase in demand well into the 2020s and beyond. MyComputerCareer.edu is training for a better life. Just take the free career evaluation. MyComputerCareer.edu. MyComputerCareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with our tribute to the late Norm Macrath. Norm, um, certainly a driver that I feel like we could spend multiple shows talking about and have any one of a large number of folks to help us share Norm's story and what it was like. Craig Macrath with us now. And Craig, it is an honor for us to have you. I know this is um, certainly a uh, a difficult week for you and the family, um, but uh, you know we we certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes out to talk about your dad to uh, for us and to help us to try to kind of uh, keep his memory and his legacy alive here with this tribute show that we're doing. That's great, Tom. I appreciate uh, being on the podcast and. Um... Yes, I agree with you. I'd love to share some stories and and uh, talk about the life of Dad. As as uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of stories and a lot of uh, things we can share about him, and that's what we want to do as well. Well, um, you know, we we know that uh, again. This has been a difficult time, and and uh, you know, want to ask first, how are you and your mom and and the family doing? Well, we're, we're doing pretty good, and as most people can probably imagine, it's a, it's a difficult time, but we're fortunate enough that we're a pretty close family. And, you know, my sister and my brother, unfortunately, we lost my older brother almost two years to the yeah. day that uh, we lost Dad. But uh, we're very close, and over the last, uh, especially the four months or so, we've spent a lot of time together, and we've been able to share a lot and uh, lean on each other for the support. And of course, as you probably can imagine, we got all kinds of friends and other family that uh, have been supporting us. So it hasn't been a ride that we're, we're uh, taking on our own. So yeah, it's been a, it's been an up and down one, especially the last couple of weeks were kind of difficult and uh, quite tiring. (laughs) We're getting through it. And actually probably today is the first day we're actually just taking a little breather and uh, trying to unwind just a bit. Well, uh, and, you know, I can relate to that from losing my dad a number of years ago and kind of that stage that you go through where, you know, you you, you just need that space to kind of let things process. And um, But, uh, again, it means a, a tremendous amount that uh, you would come on at this point uh, and, and talk with us a little bit. I'm curious um, to kind of start us off here. I'm curious what your very first memories were or are of 
your dad at a racetrack. What what do you remember? What is your earliest memories? Well, I'm, I'm sure they, they took us. Mom took us to the track at C and E and the exit the C and E and Pinecrest Speedway and Flamborough Speedway up here in Canada. Okay, but almost all of my memories are, of course, Oswego Speedway. Uh, when Dad first went down there, I guess it was sixty or sixty-one. I was I was both uh, six years old. And oh wow! I continued to go down there for probably the next uh, fifteen to seventeen years. Best years of my life. Yeah, it's and, it's amazing. Know, I would go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say <clears throat> uh, when I went down there, the one thing I remember is you know as we just continued to go down. Uh, myself and my brothers and sisters, we'd start bringing friends and neighbors, and uh, we were pretty proud of uh, watching Storm and Norman on the track out there, competing with probably some of the best in the uh, United States. Well, you know, and that's, I was going to say, it, it, it it's amazing to me, um, it's such a common theme that kind of runs through whenever I talk with someone like yourself, who who's a second generation, you know, his dad was a racer at Oswego, um, especially in that era it, that, you know, those were the, the best times of, and, and I know that the, those years at Oswego were the best times of my life as well. I was born in 67. So I started going in 73. Um, so I kind of missed a lot of your dad's early, um, part of the career though. I've, I've certainly read and heard the stories and I kind of came in when he was running the, the Kenry's 40, the yellow car, and, and then, you know, when yeah. it went to um, drive for the Bollies. And, you know, it just, that was such a magical time, wasn't it? Um, for And I have to believe, from a Canadian perspective, I can only imagine, because those of us who were, who were from Oswego, the the track was just this amazing thing, like, the you know, the the... Taj Mahal or the, you know, Eating Tower Pisa or something. It was just this amazing thing. And I can only imagine um, from the Canadian the perspective the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's um, it had to be an amazing thing to watch watch your dad competing there and and doing so well, too. Can you can you share a story or two from the early years that kind of comes to your mind? Well, first of all, the the stories when everybody asks us, like, what was it like to drive down to Oswego every weekend? And the interesting thing was, Dad decided, well, we better get a, a motor home. Back in those days, they weren't as fancy as they are nowadays. Yeah. But because, you know, there was a time when my mom, my dad, Brian, myself, and Andy, and then I guess Nancy when she was a baby when she started, sure. would, would pack up. He'd get home from work, from work early on a Friday. Uh, so we could pack the motor home, but I have to tell you, it was probably 90% of my mother doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we'd jump in the motor home, and, and the funny story is always, we'd jump in the motor home, and my dad would say, okay, Marg, I got this, you look after the kids. And every Friday, she would throw, throw a roast beef in the oven, so that when we got down to the border, we'd cross the border, and we'd stop at a beautiful park, and we sit and have roast beef sandwiches, and that would be our break. And then we finish our trip down to Fulton, New York, is where we ended up staying. But the other thing is, 
dad would drive about a half an hour, an hour, and he'd look at my mom and say, I'm getting a little tired. Do you think you can take over? (laughs) (laughs) So she did about 90% of the driving as well. That's funny. (laughs) Well, that was interesting. You know, the trips down and back were uh, fun in themselves. And, uh, you know, I guess that's what maybe kept us close because we traveled for years together as a family. And in the early years, it was a sweet deal, but then all of a sudden, we decided to race at Spencer Speedway on Friday and Oswego on Saturday and then either Fulton or, or Sandusky sure. on Sunday, and then we'd come home. <laughs> wow. It would definitely be uh, a full weekend, that's for sure. It was almost, you know, it had to be almost like, in a, in a much more compact sense, the life of, of, of a rock star family, or, but you know, it, it was like you were on tour sometimes running three or four different tracks in a week's time before you finally went back home, right? I mean, it was, it had to yeah, be amazing yeah, to be a kid. Was, I guess, yeah. yeah. And, and we'd do it, I guess, from uh, probably the middle of May until, of course, after Labor Day weekend, which was always the big weekend down in, uh, down in Oswego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your dad was always so popular and so fan friendly, and you know it's that's Jimmy and I talked a lot about that there, and Jimmy talked about in his part of the interview some stories about you know Norm being down here in Florida or whatever, and and people just know who he you know would know who he is. I mean, just that he was those those drivers back in that era were heroes and they were larger than life to us. And and I, I have to believe that being the son of one of those drivers, it had to be really fascinating to sort of watch all the people enjoying your dad so much. Absolutely. I was in awe every weekend and I love, you know, I love the racing and, and the competitiveness, but when we go in the pits after and, and you see all these young kids lining up, to get his autograph, and I know for sure, I think, you know, looking back at it, I know Dad was a great driver, but I, but I think he was a better person to the fans than even a driver, and I think that's why he was so popular. He would talk to anybody yeah. for any length of time, and he just loved it. And, and it kind of triggered one story that I was thinking about the other day, I have a son that lives uh, down in Florida now, uh, oh, Tyler, well. who also used to drive the TT Midgets. I remember that name, and, yes. And uh, actually, um, one of our favorite memories is a, is a race in uh, 2007, where my father, myself, and Tyler all raced in the same race, in the TT race. In 2007? Yeah, I think so. Let me see. No, maybe it was 2004. Wow. <laughs> 2004. And believe it or not, Dad didn't finish last. Well, I, I think I, he was 77 years old. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had no idea that, that your dad a, raced. A beautiful yeah. memory. I knew that he, you know, from, I remember occasionally I would see somewhere or hear somewhere that, you know, he would jump in, I guess, whether it was Andy's car, you know, whatever, but would, would take it down hot lap. But I had no idea that he actually still would get in and race even at that time. Yeah. He jumped in my car actually on two occasions. The first one was when the TT club decided to, have a race in Savannah, Georgia, 
And Andy goes, hey, look at this. We're going to go. I could be, that's when just Andy and I were running, my, my uh, younger brother. Yep. And uh, I said, fantastic, let's go. And we're getting the cars ready. And I go home and I tell my wife. <laughs> she looks at me and says, that, that's your son's graduation. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I said, oh, no. I went back and I told Andy. And I said, Andy, I can't go. It's my oldest son's graduation, and he goes, "Okay, I got a, I got an idea." And I guess Dad was rather in his late sixties, maybe early seventies. Dad, how would you like to run the uh, Craig Star down in Savannah, Georgia? Just yeah, no problem. When are we leaving? <laughs> <laughs> so we raced in that one. Wow! And then the other time was. Uh, uh, it had to be after 2003 because I won the uh, club championship then. And it was a year or two after, and I was still pretty well in the points championship. And I got very ill and ended up in the hospital. And on Thursday, they told me they had to do surgery. Oh, boy. So, And we had a double header at Sobble Speedway, and Dad comes in, and Mom, and and after everything, they say, oh, what are you, of course, Mom goes, what are you going to do about the, the car? <laughs> I looked at dad. I looked at dad. I said, "You want to run this weekend?" He goes, "Okay." <laughs> and he jumped in the car and ran that weekend too. He kept my points up. It's <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Yeah, he but, just uh, one one of the stories I want to tell because it's uh, and I kind of got off track. Because oh no, please ramble on a bit. <laughs> wherever you, wherever you want to go. When before my son, my son's been in Florida for twelve years, so I guess it was a while ago. We were sitting down one day, and, and Tyler, I guess that's when he started running the TTs. He says, you know what? I'd love to go to Oswego Speedway one day. He had never been down. Oh, wow. And so my father says, you know what? Let's go to the Classic this year. So, of course, he called, uh, I don't know, I, yeah, I think George Cruz, who was still around then, or he called someone and said, I'm coming down with my son and my grandson, and we want to watch the Classic. And they said, no problem, Norm. You come down. We'll look after you. And we pulled into Oswego Speedway, and you know the setup there. We parked the car, and we started walking across that road in, in front of the uh, grandstands and yep. over to the the pit box uh, where you get these uh, pit passes. Uh-huh. So that's not much of a walk. It took us over a half an hour to get to the to get our tickets. And I looked at my son, and he was just like, every step dad took, someone knew him and wanted to talk to him or get his <laughs> autograph. <laughs> and he probably hadn't raced there for 20 years. Well, you know, and, and I remember my son coming up to me and he goes, Oh, dad, he says, I can't believe this. This is amazing. <laughs> but so, like they say, a lot of the amazing things about his racing is not even the racing, but the other things that happened dur- during those days. Well, and that's, you know, I'm I'm going to be 52 next month, and I've been going since 1973. I was five when I started, and you know I've now I I make my living in the sport, and I'm in NASCAR country and whatever, and and all of that. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Craig, for me, the older I get, and I was expressing this thought to Jimmy Ferlito as well, that I think because of the way that drivers like your dad and Nolan and Baldy and Jimmy Champagne and Warren Conium and, you know, all of those drivers of that are because of the way they took the time for us as fans, as young fans, it instilled a sense 
of loyalty and just absolute reverence for the Speedway and the Supermodifieds as a whole that continues today. I mean, I mm-hmm. I still get up there three or four times a year, and it's still the same magic that you feel when you cross that gate or you, you sit in the stands. Um, it, it, it is. It, it gives you chills, doesn't it? It does. You know, you 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 think about, because it's, it's hallowed ground, all of those drivers, you know, they all race there, and you can sit in the stands and still replay those. You know, we talked about your dad's last win. Um, you know, when he did the photo finish with Nolan, I mean, there's two of the best oh, to ever yeah, sit was, in the Super. Yeah, that wasn't one of the nice ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were some magical times then. Oh, I mean, that was just, yeah. you know, I remember that like it was last night and just the, the excitement of the crowd. And I mean, I, I was a Jimmy Champagne fan, but I always loved the Flying Five. And, and it wasn't that I wasn't a Nolan fan. It was just when when Norm was racing with him, I just decided in my head I wanted Norm to win. And, and at first I thought <laughs> Nolan had beat him, you know, and it was just yeah, but what yeah. a move at the, on that last lap to win that race. And that was you know, who knew at that time that it would be the last feature win for your dad? But, that was it, yeah. you know, Jimmy said something to me um, yesterday when I was talking to him about doing the interview that he did with me a little while ago um, that we kind of repeated on, on the air here. It, and that's that, you know, there were certain drivers that their only goal for, for showing up at the track was to win. and. Your, your dad, though, it wasn't that he wasn't trying to win or didn't want to win or that winning didn't mean everything to him, but Jimmy said, you know what? He goes, Norm went to the track to have a good time. And, you know, and as long as he had a good time, if if he won, that was great. If he didn't win, he was still going to have a good time. And, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's, I don't know what higher compliment you can pay to somebody than that i mean it was just but that kind of summed up the era i mean all those drivers you know what what are your memories of of interacting with the drivers of that day i mean do you have and are there any particular races of your dad's that really stand out in in your mind from his long career yeah the one well there's a couple unfortunately there's the one with the bad fiery crash oh yeah in the old hagen car yeah hit the wall because I'll remember it till the day I die because I was sitting beside my mother and she put her fingernails through my arm and squeezed so hard I, I you know Ouch <laughs> but I couldn't move. Yeah. And that was a scary situation so I, sure. I always remember that but it was great to see. We couldn't believe he got out, but that's dad. He just kept uh, he just kept beating the odds. Oh yeah. Uh, the other one was that great race, uh, the the International Classic. Uh, I think it was '69 when Bentley Warren won, and Dad was right on his tail. And, yeah. Uh, un- unfortunately, it finished under a yellow flag. We were so disappointed, but uh, you know, we still talked to Bentley, and we talked about that. He just laughed about it. And, you know, the interesting thing is the thing I love about racing too. What's interesting is that I, I watched racing ever, like I said, since six years old. Sure. I didn't start driving until I was 43, but then I raced for 18 years. Wow. <laughs> and I, I loved the TQ Club. It was fantastic. And what was great was we're running into people from 
uh, you know, from the Oswego era and from the CNE era and, you know, the sons and the grandsons. So, uh, you know, it was just, just fantastic. But what else is nice is that uh, I think you remember a guy named Jack Greedy. Oh, of course. Yeah. I golf with his son, John Greedy, every week. Oh, no kidding. And wow. And we sit and tell stories. And last week, my sister and I golfed with Warren Conium. Oh, so after all these years, the, 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 you know, the group of us stays so close. Uh, and then when John and I go golfing up north in Huntsville, we meet up with Bill Rutledge. You remember the Rutledge Rockets? Yes. Yeah, they, they raced before <laughs> oh. my time, but I certainly remember them. And yes, yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's yep. a, such a tight group, and I, you know, I just love that aspect of it. Well, yeah, it really is. And that's I tell people all the time that, um, you know, I've 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 experienced a lot of different types of racing in different areas, and it is a generational sport per se. I think, however, I think there's there's far more second and third generation involvement in Oswego Speedway and the Super Modified Division than I've seen anywhere else uh, in the sport. And whether it's driving or owning or, you know, whatever the the role is, there's just, mm-hmm. there's so much. It is so familial. And I, I, I opined to Jimmy that I thought that, you know, maybe part of that was because of the fact that back in those early days, folks like yourselves would cross the border and you'd go to to Jimmy's house or Trinka's house or wherever there were numerous people in your case i think Lyle like the Howards were um, Lyle, Lyle Howard was the, the big one and yeah, uh, yeah i loved uh, i loved talking about Lyle Howard that was a that was a great era there and see because of that i feel like there was sort of this culture established that everybody although they were competitors when they put the helmets on everybody was family and and mm-hmm. and so when you traveled to an an out of town show, you know you went as a, a big group, you know, and and mm-hmm. and it was just it, I've never experienced that in any other form of racing, the way that I've I I have with a Swigo and the Supers in the sense that there's just so much of it. I mean, you 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 look at the Oswego Super Modified field today, and there's. I bet you over a quarter of the field is, you know, in some way, second or third generation. Um, and yeah. it's just amazing that that's kind of what sustained it is. And, and, and again, you know, it was drivers like your dad and Nolan and Irish Jack and, and all of those guys mm-hmm. th- they're th- whose shoulders this current generation of, of drivers, um, you know, stand upon as as they kind of elevate their brand and, and the history that's taken place there and the places that some of the drivers have gone is amazing, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it is amazing to see uh, what a lot of the, uh, what of the drivers, drivers have done from Oswego. And uh, I don't know if you recall seeing it, but uh, I remember seeing it and I, I was blown away as when they were doing an interview um, with... Earnhardt Jr. Yes. You recall that one oh, when yeah. he said, who, who who would you like to meet? And, of course, he came up with Bentley Warren. Yep. <laughs> I'd love to meet Bentley Warren. <laughs> and he did. They got, they did, and he did meet in him, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got to meet in Florida. Yeah. And, and that was, see, like, that's, that's amazing. It is amazing. And, and his dad, 
uh, met Bentley through, I think it was John Nicotra, if I remember the story correctly, and, mm-hmm. and John now a coroner with Otto, and, and you know, and, and, and I think... I think they those two kind of got and and I think also Dale up in New England. Um, I think it was Russ Conway years ago um, oh, put Russ on Conway, some, yeah. some late model shows and got you know some of the NASCAR guys and and Bentley and you know the local guys. It was kind of the locals against the big guys, which was a great idea. I wish somebody do that again. <laughs> um, you know, and yeah. I think Dale and Bentley met there again too. But it was you know again you you see that sort of. Um, you know, per- pervade through the sport, IndyCar, NASCAR, you know, so many transplants from up there that are working on teams or whatever. But yeah, for, for, you know, somebody would say, you know, well, you're going to a Swiggo and Dale would, Dale would say, and so, yeah, you know, I'm in the Swiggo. Well, you know, I'm a Bentley Warren fan. And I think Junior kind of mm-hmm. caught on to that. And, and, um, you know, Junior again is, is, is a big history buff. And so Bentley would mean something. Yeah. But dad, that, it's, it is amazing. And, and to hear, hear stories from Jimmy about your dad being in Florida or being here in the Carolinas or wherever and somebody again walking over and you know hey Storm and Norman what's you know I mean that's just that's amazing but I think it's a testament again to how they treated the 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 fans back in those days when you go over after the races and sign autographs. I'll I'll trigger another another couple of stories. Uh, Sure please. Five years ago my son Tyler when I went down to visit him in Florida we flew down there, and it was on a, on a Friday, and we picked, he picked us up at the airport, and he, he looked at me, and he says, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, I don't know, I'm just coming down to relax. He says, open the envelope. So I opened the envelope, and he had two pit passes for Homestead. Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, oh, wow. So we went to Homestead, and of course, we got there at 8 in the morning. We were going to take full advantage of that. Sure. And as we're walking through the pits, and what amazed me is that even the drivers there and the and the crew were so friendly, and we ended up talking to so many different people, and we're running into people from Canada that we know from the racetracks up here. Yeah. And but what really blew me away was we're walking along the pits and looking in all the different garages. All of a sudden, there was this older gentleman. He looks at us. He goes, "Macris," because I looked, and my son Tyler had his Tyler Macris racing T-shirt on. Oh, okay. He says, which Macris are you? And Tyler, so he goes, oh, and he says, you know Norm Macris? And Tyler, of course, being, he says, that's my grandpa. <laughs> he says, I know Norm. And there was another transplant, you know, even even in the crew, like you said, working on one of the NASCAR teams, and as soon as he saw the name, he recognized it. Yep, yep. It's just amazing. It, it, it really is, mm-hmm. and it, what a blessing it was for all of us who grew up in that era to have those drivers um, like Norm and, and, and again, the, the, you know, the top guys in, in Bentley who went to Indy and is still, I mean, you go to Indianapolis with any kind of Bentley Warren apparel on and you're going to get mugged. I mean, he's just, oh, yeah. everybody's going to want to know how you know Bentley and, and all yeah, of that because you know <laughs> they all want to talk about Bentley because that's, you know, that's the kind of impression he made and, and, and again, I, I, you know, as 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 his son, I would think that would just be endlessly amazing and fascinating. That um, and and really a, a good life lesson about the impact you can have on people just by being nice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
you know, and that was yeah. in a nutshell. That's how I remember your dad. He was just a very, very nice guy and, you know, loved to watch him race. But it was just, you know, after the, the races going over and getting his autograph, seeing him, I, I was explaining to Jimmy um, and you would probably know this. But my um, my aunt and uncle, uh, Ann and Bob Pritchard, lived next door to Jimmy for, for a, a good time. Tom you know Tom? Lou, sure. Yeah, okay. And so, you know, um, we would see Norm or, you know, or Nancy uh, once in a while at our family reunions when my mom's side would gather out there or just if we happened to be there and they were over or whatever. Um, you know, yeah. and, and, and of course, uh, there's a picture on the Inside Groove, uh, our, our Facebook page, there's a picture that somebody took years ago at Tommy's wedding of my brother and myself with Norm. And that that picture resurfaced, and aside from the absolutely um, just egregious tie I was wearing, um, you know, it, it, that's the living embodiment of your mom dresses you funny. Um, but uh, you know, we, I I just it, you know I revere that picture. I think that that is the because it brings back that memory of you know, oh, oh my yeah. gosh, Norm Macris well, at my Tom, family's Tom wedding. Luann, you know, yeah, Tom and Luann were up here last month. Oh, were they really? visiting us oh yeah oh wow coming up and we still stay very close with all the people in Fulton well that's awesome I mean here again it's one giant family it's spread out a little bit and it's multiplied but it's still one giant family and you know, mm-hmm. it's so much fun to just uh, sit back and remember and and tell stories and laugh about uh, you know the days uh, that, uh, that that we were lucky enough to experience and um, you know to to be able to still keep in touch with people from you know that that era was as Jimmy said and and I agree as well. It's the friendships and and the relationships mm-hmm. you figure out as you get older. Things are great, but people are better, and you know people are the best. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, just uh, an amazing uh, time to be a fan in in the sport and uh, absolutely just thought the world of your dad um, and really, again, thankful that, uh, you know, you would come on and spend some time with us and talk about him. It's uh it it really it's funny as you get older <laughs> time compresses a little bit and you know i look through the old programs from that time frequently and it's it's like it still feels so fresh that you have to really stop and tell your brain that you know that was 40 or 50 years ago you know it doesn't yeah, seem know. like it's been that, that long <laughs> doesn't seem like it's been that long now uh jimmy yeah. told me that you guys are still um, at least in terms of owning cars, you guys are still active in the TQs. Is that right? We're, we're, we're down to one car. Last year, we, we still had three cars because Andy and I didn't know how to give it up, even though my son stopped running. And then oh. Andy and I kind of, every once in a while, we go to track and say, yeah, okay, we'll jump in and run the car. And, and we had a great driver, Max DeMann, who raced for yes. about seven years and won four championships and went on to the 360 sprints now. So oh, okay. we keep it there just in case he has a free weekend and wants to run again. So we still run the number 40. Gotcha. It's still sitting in our, our shop that uh, we run in Mississauga. Yeah. That's amazing. There's a, there's a good story. I know you probably have to go, but Oh, no. We got all the time you want. Is it? Please Dad tell loved it. the business so much and talking to people. Well, when he sold my brother and I the business in 86, we said, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to keep coming in here. <laughs> we said, okay. <laughs> so we kept them on the payroll, and him and Mom came in until they were about 80, I think, because they just couldn't give it up. But 
near the end, Dad would do maintenance, and every once in a while he'd come out and say, what, what do you want me to do? And we'd go, we had a small waiting area, and we said, Dad, there's this customer in here, and, he, you know, he's sitting by himself. Just go and talk to him. Well, he would go. That guy would hear stories <laughs> for about an hour about, about yeah. his racing career and everything else. So he loved it. Well, he that's loves talking to people. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah. That's the thing that, and there again, you know, what higher praise, what higher compliment could you pay to someone than to, to say that, that they had, they made so many people smile and so many people laugh and, and lifted so many people. And your dad fit right into that category, um, for a lot Mm -hmm. of us who are, who are young fans and, um, you know, we will always remember him and remember the, the races and, and the good times around uh, those events. And, uh, you know, we we certainly were, um, you know, we're sad to hear of his passing. Um, and but but at the same time, um, you know, there's there's a there's a cliche that that kind of says, you know, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And um, I smile when I think of Norm. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Tom. I appreciated talking to you. It was a lot of fun, and I appreciate doing this uh, tribute to Dad. I'm sure the whole family is going to uh, love it. Well, uh, we certainly hope so, and uh, we uh, we enjoy uh, we enjoy talking to you as well. And uh, maybe we can do this again at some point and tell some more stories that never gets old. Thanks a lot, Tom. Appreciate it. All right. God bless all of you, and uh, you guys take care. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of NASCAR, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. The representatives are experts on making your track driving as safe as possible. You have family and friends who care about you, so don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop into HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a Facebook message and tell them the folks from Race Chaser Media sent you. Welcome back to Inside Groove. We hope that you have enjoyed this very special tribute to Storm and Norman Mackrath as much as we have enjoyed putting it together. Uh, I don't know what to follow that whole last hour and a half, almost two hours with, except to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to Jim Ferlito and Craig Mackrath for taking that time to help us to permanently keep the light that Norm Mackrath was for all of us burning brightly uh, by always being able to access this content. And it just means the world to me that we were able to put this together this quickly. Um, again, thanks to both of those gentlemen. Thank you to all of you for listening to it and being such a supporter, such supporters of this show. Uh, I also want to say thank you and welcome to Rich Worth and the folks from JNS Paving who have joined our family of supporters here on Inside Groove. Uh, that also includes um, Sean Cathcart and the staff at Skips Fish Fry and also uh, Jeff West and his staff at uh, IPC Indy. Um, it's just an amazing blessing for me to be able to put these shows together and, uh, it's humbling. And I, again, just want to say thanks to everyone. Um, want to wish everyone who is racing this weekend, be it on dirt or pavement, 
good luck. And most of all, I hope that all of you have a safe racing weekend. Until next week, for Camden Proud, I'm Tom Baker. So long, everyone. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.